How you guys doing? Hey, hey, good to see you guys for this final week of our series we're in uh, called the Encounters of the Divine. So we're just going to jump right into the message today. Before we, we go there, we got some very special people here with us. You're all, you're all very special, by the way. Uh, but we got Harriet and Co- Harry, Harold and Connie Nepper all the way from Tanzania uh, with us. We're glad they're here. It's awesome. And uh, we also have Matt representing this great organization called Agape International Missions, aim rescuing uh, women out of uh, sex slave trafficking all the way in Cambodia. With us, you're going to be hearing from both of them here in a few minutes. And perhaps the best news of the week, my mama's in town. My mama here in San Jose is awesome. And uh, my dad is in town as well. And man, if anything good has ever come out of my life. Uh, it's because of them, so that's awesome. Well, hey, we're going to jump right in. Uh, our theme verse throughout this series has been found in Exodus 33:11, And so uh, on this final day of our encounter series, kind of culminating with our week of prayer and fasting. By the way, how awesome was that? Encountering God this week through prayer and fasting. Love it. We'd love to hear your stories of how God's been showing up in your life uh, this week. But, but on this final week, let's read this passage out loud. If you've been with us throughout the four weeks, you probably got it memorized at this point. Uh, but real loud, real proud, let's, let's read this out loud together. Exodus 33. 11. You ready? Let's do this. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Why don't you turn to someone sitting nearby and say, you got a great looking face. You got a great, you got a great face. Great face. And now say, can I get your number? No, don't do that. <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> That'd be weird. Um, I don't know what some of you are thinking. You're, you're thinking, man, I, I, Moses met with God face to face, and that's awesome, but, but I'm not Moses, right? Like, that's not, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done, and, and I don't. But here's what's true for you. is 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18 reads this. says, whenever they, that, that you are the they, you are the they in this passage. You are the church. You are the they. Whenever you turn to face God as Moses did, check this out, God removes the veil And there you are, face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence. And that's my hope for you. More than anything else, I hope you realize that that God is not some far-off deity that winds up the universe and lets it go. No, no, no. He's very personal. He's very very practical. He he wants this face-to-face relationship, not out of some religious ritual or some spiritual discipline even, but but you're just so close with him in this relationship with God that you're like, I just need to talk to my best friend. I just need to go face-to-face and encounter him in a fresh way today. Here's what what happens. You realize that you're not dealing with a, a chiseled piece of stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, the old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. It's no more. We're free of all that. All of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And and so we are transfigured, much like Jesus was, much like the Messiah was. And our lives gradually, and that's a big word there, gradually, We saw last week in Moses' encounter story in Exodus chapter 3, Moses hides his face from God, right? He's like, I can't even deal with this right now. But then by Exodus 33, he's having this face-to-face conversation, this face-to-face relationship. Gradually, we grow in our relationship with God and become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives. And check this out, and we become more like him. That's our hope. That's why we need a fresh encounter with him, so we can can become the people that he, he wants us to be. 
And as I've studied the Bible and, and just heard people's stories from the beginning of the Bible, all the way through the Bible to, to modern time. If we were to bring Harold and Connie up here, if we were to bring Matt up here, if we were to bring some of you up here, three things would be true of every story, of every individual that's ever encountered God throughout history. Here's the three things. Here's the message in a nutshell. Three things. God wants to touch your life, wants to change your life, and he wants to call you to do something. That's true for me, true for you. Every time someone encounters God, they're touched by God, they're changed by God, and they're called by God to go do something. And that's my hope for you. And that's why this encounter series is so important, because we want to encounter God not just to get goosebumps and warm fuzzies. I, I'm all for goosebumps and warm fuzzies. But more than that, we want to be touched by God, changed by God, called, released with purpose and passion, could go do what we were created to do. And so, so that's my hope. That's my hope. You could lay that grid over anybody. Pick up the disciples. Every disciple, man, touched by God, changed by God, called by God. Woman at the well, touched by God, changed by God, called by God. Every follower of Christ that has that encounter, man, that's why encounter with God is so important. So we could pick literally any story in the Bible and put that framework over the top of it. But today I want to look at this guy by the name of Isaiah. Isaiah has this encounter with God in Isaiah chapter 6. That is our, our theme verse or our, our, our focus verse for today. And if you're taking notes, we got some of these, these bad boys in your program right here. Whoo, they're nice. They're nice. Uh, make sure you grab these. Fill in the blanks if you'd like. Follow along. That would be awesome. Uh, got some next steps here as well. You're going to find out that's pretty important uh, too. So, so here's the first fill in the blank. If you're taking notes, first fill in the blank as we look to Isaiah's encounter story, and that is this reality that God wants to reveal himself to me. God wants to reveal himself to me. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, we read this. In the year King Uzziah died. In the year King Uzziah died. And that's an important statement right there. And that might not mean much to us yet, but here's what's happening here. In this first half of a verse, uh, there's a big statement. Really, this could be an entire message. And so I hope you're free till five o'clock because we've got a lot to unpack here. But uh, no, no, I'll give you a snapshot. Um, thank you. Um, here, here's the deal. Uh, king Uzziah, he, he became king at the age of 16, 16 years old. I don't know what you were doing at the age of 16. Bro, I was flipping burgers at McDonald's, baby. First job, Mickey D's, Golden Arches, flipping burgers. This dude is king, like overseeing commerce, overseeing trade routes, overseeing military armed forces, making big leadership decisions, huge responsibility. Huge mantle of responsibility. Uzziah was one of the best kings Judah ever saw. And he reigns for over 50 years. And he had a great reign. And he was an innovative leader. And the nation prospers under his leadership and begins to grow and, and flourish. And, and here's the challenge, though. Towards the end of his reign, Uzziah becomes prideful. He tr begins to treat the things of God with a little bit of contempt. And here's what happened. Uzziah goes into the temple to, to offer incense to God. And the priests are like, hey, don't do that. You can't do that. Only certain people can do that at certain times. And there's process and there's protocol. And, and Uzziah disregards all of that. And he rushes in. And, and in that moment, the priest is trying to stop and trying to help him. And he begins to break out with leprosy on his face. And this, this guy who had over a 50-year run, a 50-year reign, a good, good leader, did good things, Pride led to his downfall. Same's true for you. Same's true for me. When pride enters our heart, man, we're, the end is near. That's what happens with Uzziah. So, so a good king dies a, a lonely death, a disgraceful death in isolation. Uh, but here's the deal. He was a good dude. 
And so this nation is in turmoil. Nation is in crisis. Isaiah is probably grieving because he would have had this relationship with King Uzziah. And so, so here we read that, that in the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah has this encounter. And I think it highlights this reality for you, this reality for me, that often God will use our greatest pain to be a catalyst for our greatest gain. Often God will use our greatest pain to be a catalyst for our greatest gain if we allow him. If we run to God with our pain, he can turn it around and somehow make good out of that situation, turn it into our greatest gain. Matter of fact, God's just looking for, for your attention. And sometimes he uses some, he doesn't cause it, but he'll allow some challenging circumstances to get our attention. Free pastoral advice. Let's just humble ourselves before him now, before we get to that point and seek him. But that's what happens with, with, king, uh, with Isaiah. In the year King Uzziah died, here's what Isaiah says. I saw the Lord. Out of my greatest pain came my greatest gain. And here's the deal. He was high and exalted, and the train of the, his robe filled the temple. And so Isaiah probably had this big perspective of God. Like he was a prophet. He was a seer. He could see things down the road. And here's the deal. He had this big perspective of God. But in the midst of his crisis, he sees the Lord. He's high. He's exalted. And while Isaiah had this big perspective of God, he sees him as he is. He's like, holy smokes, you're much bigger than I could ever dream or imagine. And I believe your encounter story will be the same. You might have a high, lofty perspective of God. But when you encounter him, when we begin to see him as he is, we're going to say, oh, my you're so much bigger than I could ever have imagined. You're so much bigger than my perspective would allow me to see. And Isaiah sees him high and exalted, and the train of his robe fills this temple. There's different thoughts on what that means. What, what does it mean for that train of his robe filled the temple? Different thoughts, but here's one thought. One thought is that at this time, uh, whenever a king would conquer a kingdom, they would take the king's robe and attach it to, to the king that conquered's robe. And so it would be a, a prestigious thing. So whenever dignitaries would come or, or foreign uh, individuals would come to visit, the king would bust out his robe and say, hey, check out my robe. Like, I'm a, I'm a powerful king. I'm a conquering king. Look how, how long my robe is. In the year King Uzziah died, the Lord shows up high and exalted. And he doesn't just have a little robe. He's done big things, big exploits. And the train of his robe fills the temple. Isn't it nice to know that we serve a conquering king? Isn't it nice to know that we serve a mighty king? Isn't it nice to know that he's not a rookie at this deal, but he has been battle tested and he knows what lies ahead? Isn't it nice to know that he is an almighty king? And in the year King Uzziah died, in the midst of his pain, and while saying, God, why'd you take my, my king, King Uzziah? The real king shows up high and exalted in the train of his robe. Boom floods the temple. He's awesome. He's powerful. He's almighty. And here's what it says. And above him were seraphs, these like angelic beings. Seraphs were flying six wings. Two wings, they covered their face. And with two wings, they, they covered their feet. And it's, it's a sign of honor. It's a sign of saying, oh my goodness, this God is so awesome. I can't even look at him. I'm covering my feet as a, a sign of honor because he's so good, he's so big, he's so awesome, and I can't even, can't even gaze at him. Two wings, they cover their face. Two wings, they cover their feet. Two wings, they're flying. They're calling out to one another. Here's what they're saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And they, they, they fly around this exalted king, and they're saying this back and forth to each other on repeat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy, holy, on repeat, over and over again. 
And something's interesting about the Hebrew language that we don't get in our English language, and it's a a linguistic technique to show emphasis. In the Hebrew language, they don't have words like uh, magnificent or the superlative or or, or, or extraordinary. Uh, One linguistic technique is repetition. And so we see this like last week whenever we looked at Moses' call in, in Exodus 3. God calls to Moses and he says, Moses, Moses. We looked at Jacob in week one. In Genesis 22, he calls to Jacob and he says, Jacob, Jacob. When he calls Samuel and Samuel, he says, says Samuel, Samuel. The, the listener would know, like, man, this is really important. He's, on, he's, he's highlighting something that he, I need to lean in and hear. And so these angelic beings are calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. They're saying, you know what? I can't even put into words how awesome he is. I can't even describe to you how holy he is. I can't even put into, I can't, I'm covering my face. I'm covering my feet because he's so next level. That's what the hearers would have taken from this text. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. And everything that we see in creation points to this big God who's awesome, who does big things. The train of his robe fills the temple, and it brings him, him glory in that moment. Every time you look at a rose and you go to smell that rose, it points to this wonderful creator that, that made this beautiful flower. And we're like, man, how is this grown? Yeah, it's got some thorns, but man, smell this puppy, right? It points to the God's big. Every time you go to the ocean and you stand on that beach and you look out at that vast You can't even see the bank, and you just get this shrinking feeling that comes over you. The purpose of that is to point to this creator God that is so magnificent, so huge, so holy, so awesome, that we would say, wow, you're a big God. Every time we would stand at the foot of that mountain, we look up, and we get that same shrinking feeling, same purpose. It's bringing God glory in that moment by by pointing back to him. The whole earth is filled with his glory and then he gives us the Chicago Cubs, just to remind us we got an enemy. And uh, we live in a fallen world, and uh, it's just a sad reality, right? Thank you. Here's the mind-boggling, unfathomable, shocking, jaw-dropping, too-good-to-be-true reality that, that we serve this God. He, he's, he's powerful. He's creative beyond compare. He created the universe. Every time we look up at the stars, they're telling you a message. He's a big God. He's powerful God. Just look at him. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And here's the crazy, audacious, I can't even believe it, can't wrap my mind around it, truth, that he wants to reveal himself to me. He desires to reveal himself to you. And so how do we encounter this God, here's the key. You got to go all in. We got to go all in. What an invitation. God wants to reveal himself to me. Why would I tiptoe when I have an invitation to deep dive, right? We want to go all in. Here's what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Listen, if you want to encounter God, it's available to you today. According to the Bible, if you want to encounter him, You can, but here's the key. You got to go all in. You'll seek me, find me, how? When you seek me with all, all your heart. Here's a second observation from Isaiah's encounter. God wants to cleanse me. God desires to to cleanse me. Here's what it says in Isaiah 6, beginning in verse 4. At the sound of their voice, the doorpost shook and the, the temple the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. 
And here's what Isaiah said. He says, woe woe to me, like I'm ruined. Uh, Isaiah sees God high and exalted. He sees God as he is. He sees these angelic beings worshiping him, bringing him glory. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't belong here. He's like, I'm ruined. You don't, you even know what I did last week? (laughs) Right? I don't know if you can relate to that. You come into the presence of God, it's like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't even deserve this. And if we're going to encounter him, we got to come to this place because every encounter story leads to the same result. We see God big, exalted, and we realize, man, we're, we're pretty small. And we got some junk in our life that we got to, got to deal with. And here's what Isaiah says. He says, woe to me, I'm ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And here's the deal. My eyes have seen the king, not King Uzziah, but the Lord Almighty. When we encounter God, a natural byproduct is we immediately realize that we got some things in our lives that we just got to deal with, right? So he says, then, check this out, one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand that he had taken with tongs from, from the altar. And that probably doesn't make sense to some of us here, but, but an altar in the, the temple in the Old Testament would basically be this big fire pit. And thank God this isn't true anymore, but, but the pastor's job back then was basically to serve as a butcher, and you guys would bring these animals, right? These doves, these goats, these cows, these big, big animals. And we would butcher them basically according to this protocol of the Old Testament, place them on the altar, engaging all the five senses, smoke rises, and it's a sacrifice to God. And that allows you to take another step closer in your relationship with him. Well, praise God, we don't have to do that anymore, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. I don't want to be a butcher, you know? Uh, and you don't want to give up your dog either, right? So, like, that's crazy. Um, But here's the deal. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of what took place on the cross over 2,000 years ago, the sacrificial system's obsolete. Jesus, once for all, as he hangs on the cross, he pays your penalty and mine. All your past, present, and future mistakes were paid for on the cross so that now you can enter boldly into God's presence to find grace, to find help in your time of need. You don't have to go through a pastor. You don't have to go to a priest. You got direct access to him because of what Jesus did on the cross, and I think that's good news. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, Hebrews 10 speaks to your relationship with him. And here's what it says in Hebrews 10.10. It says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once for all. It's no longer about what you've done. It's all about what he did. And you can walk into Monday with a clear conscience knowing that I've been forgiven, I've been cleansed, I've been made new, I have right standing in the courts of heaven. It's done, it's finished, verdict rendered, you've been forgiven. And that's awesome. Isaiah, back to that passage, says, with that he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Sin requires sacrifice. Thank God he was our ultimate sacrifice. He paid your debt and mine so we can be cleansed, we can be set free. Every encounter story, you see this. They see God as he is, then they realize, man, there's some stuff I gotta deal with. And God deals with your your junk on the cross. But here's, I saw a bunch of you writing notes whenever you you wrote that word cleanse, but above the word cleanse, write this word, write change. God wants to change me. So so cleansing takes place in a moment. Whenever I put my faith, I put my hope in Jesus, Uh, My debt is paid, my sin atoned for, it's taken care of on the cross, it's been nailed to the cross, I carry that guilt no more. It's awesome reality. But here's the challenge, I still got addiction. 
I still got bad habits that lead me to becoming the person I wasn't created to be. I still got some circles of influence that maybe don't help me become the person I was created to be. I still got some junk in my life that I got to deal with if I'm going to become the person that God wants me to be. And so while cleansing can take place in a moment, change from nursery to the nursing home is something we all need to go through, right? We never arrive. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey today, God has something in your life that he's revealing to you saying, hey, that thing that you don't want to let go of, I, if you're going to step into the future I have, you're going to step into the purpose, I, I, we just got to come to an open-handed posture and say, here I am, God, use, use me. So one thing you'll hear us say around here often if you've been at Central for a while is that this is a place where it's okay to not be okay. And that statement is true because God allows us to come to him like that. When we come to God, he finds us, we're not okay. This is a place where it's okay to not be okay. If you're not okay, you come to a safe place to go on your journey with Jesus today. All your hurts, all your habits, all your hangups, all your issues, all your questions, safe place. No problem, no questions asked. Here's the good news about that statement. This follow-up statement to that is also true. This is a place where it's okay to not be okay, but you don't have to stay that way. You can experience life change. God's power, his purpose for you is bigger than being stuck. You can encounter him and experience real life change today. More than anything, God uses people on that journey to help people. Uh, here's, I don't know if this is true for you, probably true for me. Some of my deepest hurts have come from people and my own dumb choices. But more than anything else, God has used, used people to help me overcome some of my deepest hurts, habits, and hangups. While people are often the, the inflictors of the wound, people are also the process for change. And so my question to you is, is who are you allowing into your circle of influence? Who are you allowing to get close to you? Uh, we're moving into a season this fall where our hope for you is that we get, you get connected around here. And one thing you're going to hear us talk about more and more is uh, serve teams, getting plugged into a group. Maybe you're going to be leading a group. And all those are great things, and they're, they're twofold purposes of each one of those. I hope you help Kristen in kids' ministry to help some kids find and follow Jesus, and that's a great purpose to live out in your life. I hope you get connected into a group where maybe you do a Bible study or maybe you go help the homeless. Maybe you do a variety of things in that group, and those, those are great purposes. But here's the second-fold purpose of that, that you would get into some relationships with people in a room like this that you trust, where you can... You can I'm just going to take off this mask for a moment because there's something i got to tell you. And you can put the mask back on. But you need, need a couple people in your life that you can be painfully honest with. Because here's what I want you to know. We're only as sick as our secrets. And here's, here's what I know to be true of a room like this. I know you got secrets. People show up in my office all the time so ashamed saying, I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but here's my junk. And my response is, well, it's about time. I know you got junk. I showed up at a counselor's office. I'm like, hey, I'm a pastor. Here's the deal. Man, I'm struggling. Here's what I'm struggling with. And he, you know what she said to me? Or he said to me? It's about time, Tim. He's like, you'd be surprised how many pastors I talk to. Now, listen, we all got hurts. We got habits. We got hangups. And we got to deal with them. But here's a choice. You can stay stuck. You can stay sick. Or you can position yourself in some circles where you can be honest. Because you'll stay sick as long as you have secrets. And we're really only as sick as our secrets. But God has more for you for that than that. He wants you to experience his freedom. So how do we do that? How do we become unstuck? Uh, here's the key. You've got to take some next steps. 
You got to take next steps. Uh, in, in your program every week, I don't know if you've recognized this or not, but we, we have these talk it over points. And there's some stuff in here that you can follow along. But, but every week, right here, next steps, next steps. Begin utilizing that. Begin processing that. Here's, a, here's, here's my promise. Here's a hassle-free guarantee. You give us a year of your life, it'll change your life. I guarantee it. Not because of anything we are, but because of everything that he is. You show up in a room like this, you're going to encounter his presence. He's going to ask you to take some next steps. And as you take those next steps, here's hassle-free guarantee. August 2020, you'll look back on your life and say, I'm not the man. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm so glad I went all in. I'm so glad I took some next steps. I'm not where I want to be yet, but praise God, I'm not where I used to be either. Take some next steps. Every encounter, you see this taking place. Every encounter, God reveals himself to me. I I realize I need to go all in. I I recognize, man, I need to be cleansed. I need some things in my life got to change. I'm going to take some next steps. And here's the third thing. Here's the third principle we're going to see. God wants to use me. God wants to use me. Isaiah 6, 8 through 9 says this. Then I heard a voice, the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And here's the deal. I believe God is still asking you the same question today. Where are my people at? Who can I send? Who's willing to go for me? And I think we we balk at that question because we're like, holy smokes, if I say yes to that, that means I'm going to go to Tanzania with Harold and Connie. And I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I want to go to Tanzania. Yeah, you do. There you go. Uh, Or maybe you're with Matt and you say, man, if I say yes to God, then he's going to ask me to go to Cambodia to help women in sex trafficking. And, And maybe he will. Maybe he will. I believe in a room like this, there's pastors sitting in this room right now, just afraid to take a step into that call. But, but beyond that, maybe he's not asking you to be a pastor. Maybe he's not asking you to go to Tanzania. Maybe he's not wants you to go to Cambodia. But here's maybe what he wants to do. He's asking, who will go to Starbucks for me? Have a conversation with that barista. Hey, you know what? The carpool line is going to be backed up in a couple weeks. Who can I send? Who's willing to go for me? There's going to be a boardroom meeting in a couple weeks. Who can I send? Who will be my representative? Who's willing to go to that cubicle next to you? Who can I send? Who will go for me? Here's the crazy thing about the Bay Area. On a day like this, 3% of the Bay are sitting in a seat that you're sitting in. 76% of the Bay will be sitting in an office tomorrow. And God's just saying, who can I send? Who's willing to go for me? Who's willing to be my representative? And my hope, before you even know what it is, that our response would be, yes, that's me. That's what Isaiah says. Check this out. And Isaiah, he says, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And Isaiah's response will... Well, here I am. You can, if you want someone, I guess you could send me. And here's what he says. Go tell the people dot, dot, dot. And I intentionally left that off because that's Isaiah's call. That's Isaiah's assignment. You can read about it later. But my question, Isaiah's ran his race. His, that call's over. You're still on the racetrack. So my question to you today What's God saying to you? What are you doing about it? What's God saying to you? What are you doing about it? Because God's looking for some men. He's looking for some women saying, who can I send? My hope is that we respond, here I am. Send me. Ephesians 2.10 says this, "For, for we are God's masterpiece. Check that out. 
You are God's masterpiece. Here's what I want you to hear. There are some illegitimate parents, but there are no illegitimate children. If you are born, you are born with purpose, design, intent. Parents make mistakes, but God does not make mistakes. Albert Einstein said God does not roll dice. He created you with purpose. He calls you his masterpiece. And he says you are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. Before you were ever born, before you were a twinkle in your mama's eye, God had plan, purpose for your life. He said, I'm making Keith because I got a call. I got a purpose. I'm making Justin because I got plans. I'm making Bill. I want to do big things. I'm making Don. I want to do this. I got a plan. I got a purpose for your life before you were ever born. You say, well, what's that purpose? Well, here's the deal. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says this. Uh, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Check this out. This next phrase is so important. So that. So that. He wants you to encounter him so that. He wants to comfort you so that. He wants to draw you to himself so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. He's got a purpose. And part of your purpose is to help other people process some pain that you've processed. Part of your purpose is to help people along a journey that you've already journeyed. Part of your purpose is that. You've got to lean into it, though. Here's the key. I need to discover my purpose. God has a plan for me. He has a call on my life. God wants to use me, but here's the key. I've got to discover my purpose. And your purpose, check this out, is always found in him. A lot of times we go, you know what, I need to turn inward. I, what's my Enneagram anyway? What number am I? What's my Myers-Briggs? Am I an I, I what is, you know, when we go to this, dis- and that's, those are all great. I love them. I use them. We use them here. It's awesome. It's part of the plan. But ultimately, your purpose is found in him. Like this, this microphone, if I was like, I don't even know what this thing is. I think maybe this was created to be a hammer, and I'm just going to, it would be like, I can't fulfill my purpose. No, because this microphone wasn't created to be a hammer. The, the purpose of what is created is found in the creator. And so, so if you want to know what your purpose is, you got to, I'm a created being. I need to go to the creator and say, man, God, what, what did you create me for? Otherwise, I'll be a microphone trying to act like a hammer and think that God doesn't want to use me. Colossians 1, 16, here's what it says. It says, for everything, absolutely everything, Above, below, visible, invisible, everything. I mean, that covers like all the bases, right? Like you, you as a human, here's your purpose. Everything got started in him. And check this out. It finds its purpose in him. If you want to know what your purpose is, you got to go to your creator and say, what in the world am I here for? You created me. Can you help me understand this? Can you give me some perspective here? And here's the deal. We want to help you with that as the church as well. Uh, you have purpose. It's found in him. Uh, we don't start with ourselves to discover our purpose. We start with the creator to discover what we are created for, and we discover life, and we, then we thrive. Anything less than that is really just putting water in the gas tank. 
Uh, throughout this series, man, we've been hearing some encounter stories from different individuals who've encountered God and kind of been going on this journey with God, and today is no different. So I want to invite an individual to the stage. He's no stranger to you. Uh, he's been a part of the Central Family for a little while now. You've probably seen him around if you've never met him. Miss Kristen's husband, our very own Josh Potter. Let's give it up for him as he comes and joins me up here. JP. The man, the myth, the legend. Good seeing you, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, so Josh, man, we, we probably have seen you around here, maybe helping out, maybe playing bass, helping out with check-in, but, but give us a little bit of a snapshot of what life was like before you, you encountered God. Yeah, I think sometimes we get in the, uh, in the uh, mindset where we see someone on stage or we see someone at church and we think, man, they got it all figured out. <clears throat> They've probably always had it figured out. Um, I didn't. Um, one of my favorite, favorite jokes uh, tells you a little bit about my life. Um, you guys know what happens when you play a country song backwards? You get your girl back. You get your truck back. You might get your dog back. Hey, some of us are going to go buy record players and start spinning that puppy backwards today. I never really got into country music until uh, about seven years ago when I lost my uh, dogs, lost my truck, lost my house in foreclosure, and we're going through a divorce. Um, all of a sudden, country music started to make a little bit more sense. Uh, but it wasn't just like my, uh, my life just flew off the deep end. It was a series of smaller choices that I made uh, in pursuit of sex, money, pride, and self-accomplishment that led me to rock bottom at 31. Uh, I moved back in with my parents and didn't have much more than a duffel bag of clothes. Hmm. Man, so you go from living with your parents, duffel bag of clothes, to the JP that we know and love today. Like, what, what happened? How did that encounter take place? What, what brought you to where you are today? Well, like Isaiah, uh, I encountered God uh, many different uh, times along my path uh, to redemption and activation. But for me, it wasn't one miraculous vision. Uh, for me, it was encountering God in small and seemingly unspectacular ways that led to a spectacular change in my life. Um, I came back to my parents' house, hurt, broken, uh, feeling worthless, and I couldn't shake the feeling that I had let everybody down. Uh, but my parents welcomed me home with open arms and more love than I could have ever asked for. Uh, my first God encounter came in experiencing unconditional love through my mom and dad. Uh, mom and dad knew that I needed Jesus in my life, and at that point, I was willing to try just about anything. Uh, so I started going back to church. Uh, what I wasn't ready for were all the small talk questions and answers. Uh, where do you work? Where are you from? Where do you live? Why'd you move back here to San Jose? I was sure that people didn't really want to know. I was out of work, lived with my mom and dad, was going through a divorce and battling depression. It was at this point that uh, I was introduced to a couple of uh, guys at that church, Rob Lentz and David Collister. Two men that I know God put directly in my life, uh, and I encountered God through, through them. Rob was the worship pastor, and even though I hadn't played bass in years, he got me uh, in practice and, and involved with that group and, and loved on me through that process. Uh, David was the young adults pastor and invited me to begin playing basketball on a, uh, a team with some of the uh, small group guys there. Nice. Rob and David continued to pour into me and somewhat forcibly pulled me into a group uh, of people that love God and uh, love me 
people that I could tell I wasn't okay, and people that loved me all the same. I became a regular on a worship team and began attending small groups regularly. Uh, the encounter of God through David and Rob uh, led me into leading a small group and uh, helped me begin to encounter God by serving. We fast forward a little bit. Um, I met Kristen. Um, Mom and Dad came in clutch. Mom slipped me her credit card for our first date. Hey, so I had to, hey, had to wait to pay for that. Mama. Uh, and now I get to encounter God through her. Uh, every day we spend together. As we started dating, I quite literally uh, felt God speaking to me, telling me this was the woman I needed in my life. She's beautiful, kind, and most importantly, full of the Spirit. She encouraged me to continue to serve on worship band, uh, now at the church that uh, we were going to together, and begin to serve in her children's ministry. About six weeks after Kristen started here at Central, uh, we got married, and two of the guys um, from that young adults group, small group, stood next to me, Mitch and Daniel, as I married my smoking hot blonde. Hey. Nice. That's awesome. So today I continue to serve. You see me uh, on Sundays out here. I get to love on your kids and encounter God through them. I get to stand on stage and encounter God in worship uh, playing bass. Uh, I still play in that same men's league. Right, Tim? Yeah, yeah I've, I've experienced that. That's where I ruptured my Achilles. Thanks, Josh. And uh, I get to coach basketball at Branham and with DBA and love some of your kids there too. I encounter God through the relationships that I build and the chance to be a small part in God's redemption plan for someone else. That's awesome, man. I love it. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we can clap for that. So let's just assume for a moment perhaps there's some people in here in a room like this sitting in a seat similar to you were sitting in whenever you rocked up to church and didn't want to answer some of the questions that, that you had a field in that season, uh, what might you say to an individual uh, sitting in that seat today? Well, I've got three, I've got three things for you guys. Uh, number one, are you feeling broken, worthless, and in need of love? Are you afraid to let people know your problems and your hurt? You need a David and a Rob. My prayer is that today you would find someone like that here at Central. Someone that you can uh, be real with and let your messy out. Because when you are able to uh, be honest and open with that, you will encounter God. Yeah, that's good. Number two, is your life being transformed? Are you in a small group? Do you have people around you that are determined to demonstrate Christ's love and push you and pull you in the right direction? Because change can't happen by yourself. Sometimes you need help. And number three, are you serving? Have you submitted your life and said, here I am, send me? We're all busy and it's easy to come up with excuses. But you have the opportunity to encounter God through serving. You can make the choice to prioritize serving others. And I promise you'll have encounters with God that bring you joy, happiness, and purpose in your life. So good, man. Thank you, JP. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you, man. That's awesome. That's not easy to do. Get up here and share your junk with a bunch of people you don't know. So, so let's give it up one more time for, for Josh Potter. That's awesome, man. I don't know if you picked up on that from his story, but 
But Josh had an encounter with God, and it came in an unlikely space. It came in an unlikely time, similar to Isaiah when King Uzziah died. In the midst of Isaiah's deepest pain, God shows up with this encounter. Same for JP. In the midst of a divorce, in the midst of living with his folks, in the midst of a challenge, God shows up, helps him. He encounters him. And here's what, here's what Josh basically said. God wants to reveal himself to me. He realized God's chasing me down. And if that's where you are today, here's my encouragement. Go all in. Don't tiptoe where you should deep dive. He wants you all in for him. And as you do, you'll encounter him in a fresh way. And then Josh came to this realization, same like Isaiah, same like every man and woman throughout history who's encountered God, realizing, man, there's some things in my life I probably should, should figure out. I should change. The Holy Spirit does that. We don't necessarily have to point that out or call that out. Sometimes we do, but, but God leads us there. And, cha- and cleansing can take place in a moment. We surrender our life to Jesus cleansed. Change is a process. King James Version says that he changes us from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's not bad change. It's actually really good change. The more we become like God, the more we we, we allow him to shape us and mold us. We we become more like we're created to be and live from our God-given identity. But but it's a process. And thankfully, JP had some people alongside him to say, hey, bro, I think you got some some spinach in your teeth. You got to figure that out. We all got blind spots, right? I got blind spots. I had a guy tell me one time, we were playing golf, and he said, Tim, I don't know if you realize this, but we were in that meeting, and you said this. And I don't know where that came from, but that's not like you. And I said, oh, man, I think you're right. I got to deal with that. But it's through people. Oftentimes, your deepest hurt comes from people. I get it. I'm not saying what they did was right. But I'm also saying more than anything else, God uses people to shape people. And you're only as sick as your secret. So who are you going to let see behind the mask. I hope for you is that you'll get plugged into community around here at Central and have some trusted allies that you can be real with. That's what JP did. It led to life change. It's a God encounter. Then, then JP began to discover his purpose. That's something, honestly, we're all on a journey on. We can find our sweet spot, and then sometimes that moves. We take a step of faith, and God's like, you're getting a little comfortable here. I need you to take another step, right? He has a way. It's a journey. But, but sometimes it just begins by saying, here I am, send me. I'll go. If you're looking for a man, you're looking for a woman, I'm your guy. What do you have for me? And don't be surprised if, it's saying, if you hear him say, you know what? Why don't you get involved in kids' ministry? Begin to use your time and talents for my purposes. Don't be surprised if he says, you know what? You need to go to your wife and say, I'm sorry. Don't, don't be surprised if you hear him say something very practical, very simple. But those very practical, very simple steps lead to a progression of life change. Where over and over we say, okay, God, I surrender once again. He wants to reveal himself to me. He wants to cleanse me. And he wants to use me. We've got to discover our purpose. Here's your final fill in the blank. Here's the, the last thought. And then we're going to pray. They're going to move into an opportunity to encounter God in a fresh way. Final fill in the blank is this. When God touches me, there's a purpose behind it. Every encounter has a purpose. When God touches me, he's going to use me to touch others. Every encounter leads to this. God wants to touch you, wants to change you, wants to release you with purpose, not for your own sake, but for the sake of a world that desperately needs you. Let's pray. Jesus, we just recognize you're awesome. You're good. 
you're kind. And God, we realize today that you're, not only are you huge, not only are you awesome, not only are you holy, not only are you magnificent, you're greater than we could ever dream or imagine, but God, we're blown away today that you actually want to reveal yourself to us. So God, some of us for the first time, we're sensing that pull, we're sensing that call. And God, we, don't, we just want to go all in with you so we can know you better, know you more. We also realize today that God, you want to cleanse us, give us a fresh start and a new beginning. And maybe you're here today and this is your first time in church or maybe you've been to church for a long time, but you just never driven, drawn a line in the sand and say, I'm going all in. I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. If that's where you want to begin, you can experience his forgiveness, his cleansing power right here, right now today. And that would simply begin by, by talking to God in a moment like this and saying, God, I give you my life. I recognize I've made some mistakes and I'm asking you to come into my life and forgive me. I realize today, God, it's not about what I've done, but it's about all you've done for me. So today, God, I'm not holding anything back because you didn't hold anything back from me. I give you my life. I'm making you the leader and the forgiver of my life. I'm making you the boss today. So God, would you give me a fresh start and a new beginning? Forgive me of my sins. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. If that's your prayer today, you're going to experience this cleansing. It's going to launch us on this journey of change. Maybe you've been following God a long time, but you've been clutching onto some things that he's asking you to let go of today. And in this moment, as we're before him in his presence, I'm just believing he's speaking to you in a moment like this, and I'm just asking you what's he put his finger on and what's your best next step to give that up to him because he wants to take you from glory to glory to glory. Don't stay stuck. That's a choice, but don't choose it. Choose life change. Give it to him. Watch how he works in your life. And Father, we realize today you want to use me. Every individual in this room, you got a plan and a purpose. You created them with great design great intent. You call each one of us your masterpiece. And God, what an honor, what a title. And we don't take that for granted, God. We know you've called us, you've rescued us to be a rescuer. And so like Isaiah, we just want to acknowledge, here I am, send me. And in a moment of declaration, a moment of action right here, right now, if that's your commitment before God, I'm just asking you to slip up your hand. If, you, if he can count on you, if you say, God, here I am, send me. I'll go to that barista. I'll go to that boardroom. I'll go to that cubicle. I'll go to that Starbucks. I'll go. You can count on me. You just slip up your hand. Say, God, I, you can count on me. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. God, you see every hand reaching up to you. We are your kids. You've called us with a purpose to be your ambassadors, to represent you in that boardroom, to represent you as we go throughout our day. So God, whatever the assignment is that you have for us, our answer before we even hear it is yes. We're going all in with you. Whatever you have for us, we know it's good. So give us courageous faith today to be the people you've called us to be, to go where you've called us to go, to do what you've called us to do. Would you strengthen us to that purpose, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.